You're listening to Minions and Musings. I go by Evil Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. So Ray Otis wants to challenge me. Really? Actually, it was just anybody who had a podcast that was listening to his stuff, and he decided he'd like to do the something old, new, borrowed and blue type thing. And it's like, well, I was kind of figuring to do something else, but that's a good topic to run through. So I sat down and thought about it for a bit, and this is what I came up with for Ray's challenge. Something old. I went and grabbed from the bottom of the bookcase in my bedroom, my gaming stuff, and trying to decide what the oldest thing I have was. And I came up with actually the original uh, basic rules, but um, I want to pull out actually the module that came in with it. I had B1 and B2 at the same time in that box set. And I grabbed B1 just to look at it again. Um, classic module and interesting because it's empty and you fill in the monsters and treasures and so forth and I had written in this thing and I started going through it and apparently I didn't pay attention to where or how many monsters you're supposed to use I think you're only supposed to fill out out of 56 odd rooms in there you're supposed to end up only having something on the order of around 20 monsters total fill in the place yeah it's about right 16 to 20 monsters at any given point and up to 25 treasures i believe even though they list 34 in there. Just kind of, hey, learn how to fill out a dungeon, you know, and give yourself some logic and structure to it. And I'm looking at my notes, and, you know, there might be like four rooms total that doesn't have a monster in it. I'd have to count again, but I'm just trying to imagine back in the day, what was I thinking of? That's Rather interesting to see now what I would do with this module, which I'm getting ready to run my minions through uh, in the near future, which I've already edited a little bit into more of a digital format. All right, something new. The newest thing is that I actually decided to pick up and play a... 5e game and the newer part is the fact that it's actually an online one a group of us are getting together every tuesday evening for about two and a half three hours and going through uh, whatever module the dm has actually i don't think it's a module i think he's just got short little uh snippets of adventures that he's run us through you know four or five rooms um there's an overarching theme that he's already got us going through but right now we are uh, now second level and 
I joined because the you know the opportunity was there. Also, uh, due to some recent hardships, uh, and you know, there goes my phone making all sorts of noise. He, uh, the GM, trying to kind of fill in some time and everything, and so I was like, yeah, let's go ahead and join up with him. It was an opportunity, uh, kind of get to know him a little bit better than what I already do now, but also, just chance, what is 5e like? You know, I didn't want to jump into 5e and start GMing it. That was just not what I wanted to do. I'd rather just GM what I know. So I went in and grabbed a hold of the basic rules and everything, and then uh, had gotten a copy of the entire player's handbook. And when we were discussing character creation, uh, he was telling me of all the people there. I am, besides himself, the only one who's ever gamed. The other four players had never gamed before, and they wanted to do that. So they were making up their own characters and so forth, and I was like, "Well, we need a little bit of a little more firepower, something else in there." So I decided to jump in and play a sorcerer, but I was not going to play the standard dragonborn sorcerer. I mean, that's just that, that's such a it, it's just boring. I mean, everybody does. I mean, it's, it's a min max to me, honestly. So, I went through and decided on this character, but I wanted to play a sorcerer to do something a little different, and saw that Wild Magic was another one of the options that of how a sorcerer could get his power and everything, which intrigued me. I remember coming across uh, Wild Magic, and I'm trying to think, I believe that was 2nd edition AD&D, where we kind of experimented with that. I believe it was even some rules way back in first edition D&D that kind of came up with some wild magic, uh, what can happen there. So I got through and created a character who is a half-elf. Okay, so yeah, I'm in Max a little bit. Uh, but a half-elf that had been touched by wild magic and apparently and i'll go into this in another podcast at some future point i have a tendency to have you know some you know personal tragedy or some point that is driving the character more so than just a eh, feels like uh, adventuring and you just decide to go out and do it now it's got to be something tragic something that's driving them I don't know, that seems to be how I think about things. Uh, so this half-elf is the child of a adventuring woman, a fighter, I believe is how I had it, and one of her trusted um, hirelings, well, actually henchmen, who was an elf, and they had gotten involved, and while she didn't realize she was pregnant on this one adventure, got pulled into a side realm uh, where wild magic flew around. It affected many of the people within the party. They made it back to the prime material plane, but unfortunately it had affected 
the unborn child, and that's where we went with that. So it's it's been interesting to see how I can play that and try to role play some online with people who have never played before, and they're trying to figure me out because honestly, I don't know any of them. The only one I know is the GM. That's who I have a relationship with. The rest of them are people that he's known and their own little uh, group. They happen to know each other. So I'm a little bit of an outsider, which is kind of how my character is as well. We'll see how that works. All right. That's old and new. Borrowed. Well, I will pull up one thing. Um, I've gone through a large number of blogs, um, OSR blogs and so forth over time and had come across something in a, where is this thing over here on my computer? Okay, the 9 and 30 Kingdoms, uh, if you do not know that uh particular blog itself you may want to uh, look it up um, and I cannot remember who it is and I apologize but he's been doing stuff for a while very interesting making his own game system as well uh, this is a post because I went as far back as I could into his particular blog uh, posted back October 8th of 2010 and he had a look at the hireling rules, and he was looking at the original, I believe it's OD&D rules, and kind of breaking them down a little bit and figuring out how to improve about them, um, and doing some sort of hireling table. But I went in here and really looked at what he put down, talking about the different types, um, whether common or special hirelings, because it's all about giving you an idea of how to figure out how to pay for them. You know, what is it going to cost you for a hireling? Because if you go look at the basic or expert rules, or even in the Beckme, the rule cyclopedia, it's not really spelled out extremely well as to how much somebody is going to cost you per month. But this has a great idea. You know, are we talking simple labor, skilled labor, skilled service? You know, also adds multipliers for, you know, is somebody isolated? Are they open? Is this an open-ended deal? Uh, the type of character, is it a half uh, half elf? Is it a dwarf? Elf, half orc, whatever. Um, you know, do we have magic that's added in here? You know, high demand. So you've got all these different base costs, and then a multiplier add on it, so you can come up with something that approaches a decent rate for a hireling. It gives a couple examples, like let's see, a sailor. Sailor is by his count a basic labor. This is also isolated because of you know being out for long periods of time, not being around. So it actually increases the cost by 10. So basically we're being one gold piece a month 
which as he puts is the minimum for a hireling. So to have a sailor, 10 gold a month. You know, go all the way down to an armor. All right, this is a smith. Then we've got human sized on here, which I think, which was that? Uh, I'm not sure where that was in here. Uh, but intricate, which is uh, manufacturing intricate items, which is doubling things. Uh, in the end, it comes out to something like 100 gold a month. And I'd have to go through and, and look at that. But it still was a great idea. And I've borrowed that to kind of get the basis of how I want to make my players have to pay for some of these people that are going along uh, the current adventure with them. And that's definitely one of the next blog posts I'm going to do. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to game. Uh, we'll see how that goes with the minions and everything. But we also have spring break this week coming up, so I might try to disappear out of work early, come home, and see if we can get something through there. The last thing is something blue or out of the blue or something like that. And this actually is going to go back to the old stuff as well. Um, I went, as I was pulling stuff out, found... The original notebook that I kept all my gaming stuff in. This is a, gotta go for old here, guys, a Trapper Keeper notebook. It is blue. Here, here, listen. My friends, that is Velcro from 1982. Baby, 1982 Velcro, still working. And I've got a number of folders in here. I pulled this out the other day to look through it. Um, and I've got characters that were for, uh, see, D&D Advanced. Um, and some of these, as I got looking through them, were games that I was playing with friends. Also, online bulletin board games that I had in there. Um, just all sorts of things. Saw some names in here that I had not seen before, uh, or not seen before, not seen in a long time, like Herrick Whiteblade. Where are you? There you are. Uh, a ranger that I was running around with. Not too bad. Uh, what level? Oh, yeah, he was, this is early on, first level. But, you know, um, What's another character running around here? Uh, a mage, first level mage. Uh, Justelle. I'm not sure where I came up with that. But non-weapon proficiencies that were hanging around in here. So this is starting to feel like second edition D&D &D right there, not just first edition as well. I think that's the other side of the folder. Um, I had characters from basic... An expert D&D, &D, uh, a number of them running around. Actually, I know a few of them looking at the pages. We've got a folder that was maps. And if you pay attention to the graphic that I put up for my podcast, two of the maps are that were in this notebook are in that picture. 
Um, I had an adventure log, which is basically some copies of things out of the Dragon magazine here and there. Oh, and noise again. Um, so photocopies of stuff. We've got another book of, and that's rather annoying. Geomorphs, the um, I believe this was something I picked up some uh, at a game store, but it was the Dungeon Geomorphs uh, sets one to three, so you could kind of take it apart and make your own set of maps. Um, I'm looking at the tape here. The tape on the date, the packets I made. I took notebook paper, taped them up, stuck the geomorphs into that so I make a little pouch so I can pull them out. And the tape is all brown, crinkly. I'm afraid to open it up. Um, I've got also characters from other people's games. Um, I've got another folder here for NPCs. So, yeah, just amazing. I was I kept all of this stuff in there. But why is it blue? Well, that's because it the whole book is blue itself. I think I'm going to have to go through this a little bit more. Look at some of the stuff. I can definitely tell that I was min-maxing uh, back in the day. That's just one of those things that occurred. Oh, wait a minute. There's some other... F oh. <laughs> and tucked away in the very front pocket. I didn't catch this. I've got some 4x6 note cards that have some basic character information on them, like just quick cheat sheets and everything. Uh, these are looking like first edition characters here. Uh, yeah, shouldn't be running around with such big stuff. And a, oh wow, character sheet from college of a game that we started playing with a gentleman uh, that was Tangentially associated with the gaming club while I was uh, at college. Uh, I guess he knew other people. He used to, I guess he gamed with somebody there and he stuck around a bit. We started up a gods campaign. Uh, kind of taking like deities and demigods where your character had certain levels uh, of fighter, thief, magic user, things like that. And we built up a huge amount of uh, magic into them. You know, these are beginning to be gods of a realm. And my particular god is named uh, Lumitar. Mm, go figure. Uh, I made him god of the heavens, celestial bodies, uh, time, uh, aging was underneath his domain, also, because he was part of Celestial Bodies, uh, Insanity and Lycanthropy, because of the moon. Uh, in fact, that was... And since Lumitar is a good guide, this was the beneficial part. Actually, Lycanthropy was supposed to be a blessing from the god. And unfortunately, uh, and we didn't realize this until after we got partway through into the game... We had evil counterparts. So my lycanthropy 
got turned against the people that we had created on the earth, planet, whatever it was we created. I might have to recount that story if I can find all of the information. It was rather interesting. Well, that's a lot longer than I expected. I'm just kind of rattling on there. So I believe I will say that I have met your challenge, Ray. What are you going to do about it? Besides say, you know, well done or good luck or I prattled on too long. You know, whatever you're going to do. For all you that were taking time out of your day to listen, thank you much. And remember, wherever you go, I'm not there. I'm staying right here. See ya. Should have talked it over. I should have thought it through. I think I might have bit off a little more than I could chew. Well, I have got to get out from underneath this weed that's gonna kill me. Witchcraft!